Hey, y'all. The Brevin team is back for what I can't believe is already episode six. So my sidekick or my brother, Stephen, is is with me. My name is Brian, and uh, we'd like to talk to talk to you all about questions to ask a builder this week. But before we jump into that, we just got over a nice long four day weekend for July 4th. And uh, Stephen had a little bit of fun down by the beach. So where'd you go? Yeah, we, uh, well, thanks for the introduction. And yeah, we had a really nice getaway. We went to the Texas coast. We were down in Port Aransas area, a little community development down there called Cinnamon Shore. So anybody who's from Texas uh, may be familiar, but yeah, really, really nice getaway, you know, a couple of days on the beach and just a nice relaxation. So um, yeah, my wife, Sydney, enjoyed time on the beach and uh, that's not quite my thing. So I actually uh, spent some time walking houses in Cinnamon Shore that were under construction, which was uh, my way of enjoying vacation and having fun. So um, anyways, yeah, it was uh, it was a good getaway. What about you guys? You guys do some fireworks? <laughs> a little bit of fireworks and hung low and yeah, it was nice to relax. So nothing, nothing special. Awesome. <clears throat> and now we're back with questions that you can ask to spark conversation and also really judge those builders that you've either got on your short list now or uh, have maybe even narrowed it down to just one particular builder. So um, yeah, I think with that, you know, we've got 10 questions. Maybe we'll have some more that kind of spin off from this, but Brian, you want to hit us with question number one? Yeah. And just to add on to that, this is absolutely not a all-inclusive list of questions you should ask your builder. This is just a simple guide of some some higher level questions that you certainly don't want to miss or or have a good a good understanding of how the builders that you're looking at or believe you're going to move forward with handle handle these topics and and important points of of uh, the building process. So with no further ado, we've got a lot here but to keep it compressed let's let's jump right in and and really just get through these the the first question again in no particular order of importance the, do you do a cost plus or fixed price contracts and and if you if they respond with well we we do cost plus an appropriate follow-up question might be how can you assure me that your initial estimate estimates are reasonably accurate if you get a response that says we do fixed price contracts how can you assure me that the quality will be sufficient so uh, we talk a lot about cost plus versus fixed price, and I believe either in next week's episode or or very soon we want to spend we want to break down a whole uh, take the time for a whole episode to go through the pros and cons of these different contract types. But um, I, I think that with the cons, you just want to understand, hey, th this is a risk or a a potential risk, and and understand how the builder handles that. So, Stephen, what else would you add to that? No, I think that's great. And, um, you know, it, it really kind of diverges into two different paths, right? It's a fork in the road, if you will. And when they answer either one of those two ways, either a cost plus contract or a fixed price contract, I think those are great follow-up questions, right? For each way that they're going to go. Um, you know, and with the cost plus contract, just touching on that real quick, they'll give you a price, you know, but it's not set. And that's exactly what a cost plus contract is. So how can that builder assure you that their initial estimate or the number that they're giving you to sign a contract is going to be accurate six, 12 months down the line, right? When you're coming to the finish line of that build on the flip side with a fixed price contract, 
contract, you know, you've set that price up front with the builder. You've agreed to it. You guys have all signed. You know what you're in for, for the most part, minus selections and allowances and other things um, that are relatively minor. But, you know, how can you be assured with the builder that they're not going to cut corners or skimp on certain things because they've locked you in at a certain price, right? If they can go save money on lumber, well, you know what? Lumber is kind of lumber, right? It's not, it's mostly all made the same exactly, right? You know, so it comes from trees, but, um, you know, how can you be assured that their trim carpenter isn't going to go with somebody cheaper or skimp out on something? So just two things to be aware of there. Um, you know, jumping into the next question though. So question number two that you could ask your builder, how do you calculate the pricing you're proposing to me? So this is kind of a spin off of that first question, but what you really want to understand is how is that builder deriving or coming to that number that they're presenting to you, whether it's a cost plus contract or a fixed price contract, right? Um, maybe a concerning answer might be, well, you know what? We built a home two years ago in this same neighborhood and it was a little bit smaller, but that was the price per square foot. So we just multiplied it by your square footage, right? Probably not a good answer that you're looking for. Um, you know, if they can tell you, hey, we went out and shopped all of our trades and all of our suppliers and everything else, got all this pricing back and put it together in a booklet for you or a cost estimate spreadsheet or something, that's a much more reassuring answer, right? So anything to add on that, Brian? In a cost plus agreement, even in a fixed price uh, proposal, it's it's absolutely your right and, and okay for you to ask some fairly pressing questions on on some of the specific costs, right? And so these are higher level, but for example, if you have something unique in your build that isn't, I mean, every custom home is custom for a lot of reasons, but let's say for example, you have a very unique ceiling detail that you want done during frame stage, which is gonna add some complexity, of course, that comes with cost, as well as maybe some some extra complexity with with drywall later on that would be something that, that you would just want to maybe point out and say, Hey, how are you determining the cost? Is this included or is this just a guess? Right. And it's okay to get uh, a little granular and, and um, you know, not, not intentionally trying for lack of a better analogy, back the corner or back uh, the builder into a corner or something. It's just, these are all questions that you just want to understand how the builder responds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And on all these questions, you know, these are meant to spark conversation and be talking points. And you kind of, as a listener, judging the builder that you're interviewing, right? And getting a better feel for how they handle questions, how they're addressing this build, and in uh, the professionalism, the communication they're presenting as they're answering these questions. So, um, yeah, you want to take us to the next question? Number three, how are you going to keep us updated on progress during construction? Big, big piece. And and this, the answers can go a lot of different ways, but you're looking for that communication style. What, what structure do they have to their, their construction walks throughout the the phases of the build as well as just uh, what's going on, what's happening, right? You have a right to know and how are you going to communicate with me, right? And whether you live right down the road or you live across the country from where right now, relative to where your your new home is being built, you just, you just want to understand what the communication uh, protocols are going to be. So 
you can set your expectations appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that definitely wraps that up and is a good summary on that one. Um, well, and one more point on that is that, you know, some builders will use construction management software, which is a handy tool um, for people to keep track of their build. You know, the builder is ideally updating that frequently, whether it's a couple times a week or uh, whatever their intervals are, but it allows them to put pictures and give a schedule and a budget breakdown and all kinds of stuff for whatever they open it up to the clients. Um, but that's a, a handy way for people to manage how they're communicating with clients as well. So um, number four, do you engineer floor plans? And I think this is kind of a, it can be a loaded question because there's a lot of different ways that builders can take this and a lot of different ways they can engineer. But um, really what you want to know is, you know, is this a fly by night builder that doesn't engineer their plans and they don't have anybody that's a professional stamping off on the design of the structure um, that can be a bit concerning, right? And different jurisdictions require different things, right? So some neighborhoods, some cities will require fully engineered and fully stamped plans. Um, other jurisdictions don't require anything. If you're building out in the country and there's no jurisdiction or governing, governing body, um, they may not require anything, right? So it's up to the builder's goodwill and the way that they conduct their business to make sure that they're doing the right thing. And that's engineering all of your plans um, from the foundation to the structural, which is the framing and all the wind loads and everything else. Um, and then all the way to HVAC and energy. There's a lot of different things that go into it before the building even starts. Anything there, Brian? It's thinking about what potential risk or liability there is in the future. Right. And this ties in closely to uh, post warranty or I'm sorry, post closing warranties and, and what builders provide around a, a structural warranty if they do provide one. And we highly suggest that you work with a builder that does just to, just to protect yourself, but uh, not to scare you. And there's plenty of good, nice, uh, quality custom homes that are built today in areas where there is no governing body, where engineering is not required, that, that they withstand the test of time and they'll, they will withstand decade after decade, the, the elements and the sun and the wind and all that. And there's no issues, but there, there is risk and liability that you move in and a year later, you've got a big crack through your foundation or, uh, God forbid the, you have a, a framing, a structural defect and a, and a wall is is bent or bowing or caved in. And, and at that point, what do you do? Right. Who's who's liable? Uh, what's the what's the best course of action? Nobody wants to find themselves in that position. But this is where it all starts. Right. Is there a professional engineer that is signed off on saying this this house is built properly to with hand, handle the, the proper elements and, and loads and, and wind shears and all that? Yeah, good, good additions there. All right. Uh, yeah, number five, question number five that we've got here. How can I accurately see and determine the quality of the homes that you build? All right. So that's a great question to ask your builder. Um, and this is one of the big three pillars that we always talk about, which is that quality piece, right? You want to make sure that whatever builder you're choosing is matching the quality that you expect, right? And now 
different qualities fall all over the place, of course, with different budgets. So if you have a $400,000, $500,000 budget, um, you know, you might not be expecting two $10 million plus budget or uh, I'm sorry, quality, right? So trying to keep those in relation or in proportion there. But, um, you know, you do want to have some way to see their quality, whether that's a model home that they have either in that neighborhood or community or a different community that's somewhat close by, um, you know, or even a home that they've built previously that they still are close with the, the uh, homeowner, you know, and can get you in there to see it or a home that's under construction and almost complete. There's a lot of different ways builders can show you something in person. Um, but then also nowadays, there's a lot of cool, uh, you know, online and electronic tools that they can use to show you the quality of their build. Now, of course, it's not the same as standing inside a house, touching, feeling, seeing things. Um, but, you know, with 3D walkthroughs now and with um, augmented reality and a bunch of other cool tools, you know, they can get all the way to the point where, like we do with some of our clients, we can put a VR headset on our clients let them walk through any home that we've built in the past. So kind of a cool little differentiator there. It's much quicker, of course, than driving around an entire city to go see different floor plans or different models, Um, you know, and just something that we do and we've seen success with it, but um, every builder is going to have their way of showing their own quality. So. And to, to add to that, I think if you can see a house that is under construction, Certainly, ideally, through the frame stage and through mechanicals, meaning electrical, plumbing, HVAC has been installed um, anywhere in that in that area of of progress. You can have the builder walk you through one of those homes. Yes, it's not complete. Yes, anything under construction can be can be messy, but you can learn a lot about what's going on in terms of quality behind the walls that that does absolutely affect the performance of your, your finished home that you just don't see when it is complete because it's behind the walls. So you don't need to be a building science expert. You're not expected to, to go through and understand everything, but have that builder walk you through some things that they do that might be unique or things that they really focus on that is important to them that adds to the quality of their homes. Yep. Yeah. Good addition there. Number six, how do you handle exterior and interior selections? Uh, allowances go along with that. And, and how do you determine allowance amounts, right? When, you, when we say, hey, you have, for example, so much for flooring, how do, how do you come up with those numbers, right? Because this is important regardless of whether you have uh, a cost plus or fixed price contract, right? And so there's a lot to unpack here, but I think the long and short of it is you're trying to uncover just how do they manage selections? Selections is is a big task, uh, regardless of the size of the home. I mean, we find in our homes, there's two to 300 decisions that have to be made in terms of what paint color do you want on this wall versus this ceiling versus that wall versus what doorknobs. I mean, and it goes on and on and on. So really, you're just looking for how are we going to stay organized in this and how do I do this in a timely and efficient manner so that I'm not spending hundreds of hours putting this together and who's going to, who's going to guide me through the selection journey, whether it be interior or exterior selections, they're very similar, but, but slightly different because um, the, the stone and things like that, uh, you know, come from, from quarries versus going into a showroom and, and picking out plumbing or electrical fixtures. And along those same lines with allowances, just tying back into the budget, you don't want to get into a contract where, 
you're building a 5,000 square foot house and there's an allowance that is say $10,000 for flooring materials for the entire house. And the builder thought that that's acceptable when it's, when that wouldn't even be, wouldn't even be possible. And then they come back to you later on in the build and say, well, actually I need another 20 to $30,000 to get the rest of the flooring materials after you've made your selections, when even the cheapest selections wouldn't match your, the original allowance of say, for example, $10,000. So those are things that you just want to ask and understand how, how they've come up with the initial allowance amount. Anything else to add? Yeah, I think um, you did a really good job of covering that. And I want to just touch on the point that you were saying about allowances. You know that um, this is more just to spark the conversation and hear the, the background detail of how they arrived at those allowance numbers. Um, you know, and it's a tough game from a builder plus from the client. You know, how do we accurately convey the quality and the exact selections that we're going to make? But be able to put a price to that. And nobody knows that up front. Um, so it's kind of a little bit of a cat and mouse game, but uh, ultimately, you know, the builder has to get close and give you an estimate there. That's going to be reasonable for the quality that you're expecting, right? Are you expecting a level one finish out, which would be, you know, on the lower end, or are you expecting a level five or level 10 finish out, right? Which is on the higher end um, just to make sure those, that alignment is there and the, those allowances are, are close to what you're looking for. But um, yeah, a lot of room for error there. And that's definitely a good question to ask a builder. So um, moving on to number seven, how do you determine an accurate building timeline for my particular build? Um, I think this is a great question. This covers that other pillar or a second out of the three pillars of building time, timeline, time frame, all that stuff. Um, you know, everybody wants to know they're excited to start. They want to know when can I move in, right? When's the home going to be done? And this is something that, you know, you want the builder to be able to talk through on how they arrived at, hey, I think this is going to take 10 months, or I think this is going to take 18 months, right? Those are two completely different numbers. And um, every, every builder is going to be a little bit different, right? So uh, just good to know how they're arriving at that time frame and kind of what their, their reasoning is for it, right? Do they expect delays? Are they counting for weather and bad, you know, other unforeseen circumstances that are going to arise mostly um, or even the unexpected things that you don't know that are going to arise. Have they accounted for any of that or are they just strictly going off of the schedule running perfectly? So um, yeah, a lot of room for variance there, but what are your thoughts, Brian? I think you said it well, I'll, I'll just move on to number eight. I think the the point there is, is just to uh, get an understanding of that timeline. They owe you that. It's part of the expectations you should have of just, you know, how long is this going to take and and understanding why it might take this long and understand that it it probably will fluctuate, right? Any custom home is uh, built as a major project. So mm -hmm. number eight is more of a, it might feel like more of a interview question, but I, I think it's worth asking, or we think it's worth asking at the right time once once some other discussions have been had, after you have a plan set and land, and after you've you've shared a little bit more about your vision and expectations around the the timelines, budgets, quality, those 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 three pillars that we often talk about. What do you see as the biggest challenge to completing this build to my expectations? Right? And and challenge the builder 
to see what's their thought process. How do they respond to that? Right. And they're probably not going to expect that question, but it shows that you're thinking through a lot of this build and, and what do they see as a challenge? Because every single home we have ever built, there has been a, there has been something that has been more challenging than we thought it would be. Maybe it's not the same challenge that we, that we thought it might be going into the build before we ever start construction, but it's just good to see how the builder responds to that question. And, and then obviously they're, they're probably going to say, well, I see this as, as the biggest challenge of, of doing this particular detail on, on the staircase, but here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to mitigate that risk, or here's how we're going to address it. We have a, a really good, um, a trim carpenter that does this type of work. And we've already started talking to him and addressing how we can do this to make sure that it meets your expectations of this, this exact look and style you're going for on this staircase, for example. Right. But, but addressing that, that, Hey, we see this as a challenge, but here's how we're going to try and overcome it. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a very good question. Like you said, as far as an interview type question, um, because it says you're interviewing a builder to build your dream home and you want to make sure that you're picking the right one and to hear their answer is going to help, um, you know, you fill some gaps and also understand their thought process. So, um, definitely a good one there. Number nine, do you have any client testimonials, reviews, or references that I could sync up with? Um, I think that's a good one just in this day and age, right? There's so many different ways that we can evaluate a business or a building company or whatever it is. Um, you know, and a lot of these builders will be the first one to say it don't have an online presence and that's not a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but you know, you want to be pretty, pretty cautious going into it if there's no public data on that company. Right. So, um, Checking online, of course, you know, see if they've if they have a Google profile. You know, is the Google profile does it have any reviews that you could see? Um, those are most of the time pretty good um, testimonials, client testimonials. A lot of times, builders will put these on their website, um, but you also have to take those a little bit with a grain of salt because, of course, those clients were the ones that gave a favorable testimonial, right? So, um, still, I mean, it's it's usually legitimate, but you have to take it with a grain of salt. And then uh, references, once again, a builder could give you any references that they choose, right? But it still helps to have those conversations with people that have been through the process before with that particular builder. You know, and a lot of times people will tell the truth, right? Whether they were a good reference, they'll still tell you and you can ask them pretty targeted questions about, you know, what, were, what was one struggle you had with this builder, right? And a lot of times they'll think about it and they'll probably give you a pretty legitimate answer. So, um, you know, good to walk through that and use those resources to your advantage as you're evaluating builder. Um, you know, but of course, just checking, you know, word of mouth and people in the area, maybe even calling the city if they're in a, a local jurisdiction, the city could have some data on the, the builder, you know, yeah, they're in good standing or no, you know what, they've been falling behind on a lot of builds and we've had issues with them. You know, the city can provide some insight there as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good opportunity to open the door on a lot of things. And the internet is good and bad for that, right? You know, it's everything's out there. So um, a good chance to do some research on the builder that you believe you're going to move forward with. Yep. I, I love the references piece. I think uh, to your point that people can portray a, a certain 
a certain look and and feel because of positive reviews. Nobody nobody leaves negative negative reviews up if if they have any control over it, right? And I know Google, you can't just choose the ones you want or not, but. Um, you do, as you said, have to take some of those with a grain of salt of, hey, was this <laughs> was this reviewed? Did somebody did they pay somebody to write this and they're not even a true client? I mean, you know, reviews, who knows where they came from? But I love the references piece, being able to just talk to another former customer or homeowner. What what better way to just get a good understanding from a from a third party or a former a former homeowner of, hey, how did it go? Right. And I think you're going to find even with the 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 top custom home builders that have a really strong reputation in the market that hey that there's still there's still challenges right there's still things that oh well you know there was there were some hiccups here but we got through it and all in all we're very pleased right i mean there's these are major projects that come with unexpected challenges as much as we do our best all of us home builders do to mitigate those there's there's things that come up right so uh, I, I think it's it's very very fair and and a great question to ask. And what what challenges did you have? But just because there were some negative things that may be mentioned when talking to a, a reference or a previous homeowner, um, you know, understand what that is and understand that you know there's probably going to be some of that with with your build, no matter what builder you go with, right? So not not trying to uh, position ourselves for that, but it's just it's just the nature of the business. Yeah, good point there. Awesome. You want to wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, last but not least, and, and another important question here, what, what support should I expect after closing or, or getting the keys? Uh, basically saying, hey, the, this house is yours and, and it's, it's a done deal. Well, it is, but it isn't, right? I mean, there's, there's absolutely things you've just moved into your dream home. You're excited. And once you start turning the knobs and, and basically taking it for a test drive, if I can use my, my poor analogies, stay on, on that, that train, <laughs> uh, you take it for a test drive and you're going to find things that, that just, hey, this isn't what I expected or there's going to be little things that, that need to be touched up on and, and need to be addressed. Hey, the, the water pressure is low in this faucet, right? Okay, well, if it's low and, and it's supposed to be higher, then yeah, that, that needs to be corrected, right? So you're really looking for what's the process? How do I communicate with you post-closing? Uh, what does the warranty look like? Uh, what is considered what is considered warrantable? What is considered not warrantable? Get all of that up front because you can quickly fall into a large gray area here. And, and us builders, we try and do our best to, to keep it black and white, but we also want you to be extremely happy. And uh, us at Brevin Homes, I mean, the, the customer experience, the homeowner experience throughout the entire journey is, is so important to us that we don't want to have to tell you no ever, right? So we do our absolute best. And sometimes we have to just because we don't have any other choice, but uh, we do take that seriously and, and try and keep everything as black and white as possible. So Stephen, the more I'm talking through this, this question, I realize there's, there's a whole lot to unpack here as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I think it's worthy of another podcast episode, just covering warranty and what's to be expected there from a builder. Um, but I, I think you hit on some good points. And I also want to add on the fact that, you know, those references that we just mentioned in question number nine, that is a great opportunity to ask, you know, how has this builder handled warranty things that have come up for you now that you've completed your build and you've moved in and you've used the home? 
have there been a lot of warranty items? You know, were they preventable during the build or were they things that just, you know, maybe were unexpected or came up after the build, just natural causes, whatever? Um, you know, and, and once those warranty items were submitted, what was the process? How long did it take for that builder to jump into action and get those things corrected that should be in our rightfully warranty items? Um, so anyways, you know, just good things to ask and, and be aware of from the builder's perspective and from, you know, homeowner's perspective um, so that you know what you're getting into after the build, because that is a big portion of it, right? The build can take, you know, give or take a year or more. Um, warranty is for most builders a year at least, you know, so covering the warranty and the build that they just finished for you for another year, um, you know, it's a long relationship and you want to make sure you're picking the right builder. So uh, hopefully these questions have helped at least spark conversation and get the conversation going with the builder or the few builders that you've shortlisted. So, um, you know, we're, I think there's a lot more questions. I'm sure we're missing some and there's a lot more we could add. Um, but this is going to be fun. You know, as we continue this podcast, we're going to get plenty of other questions from listeners and all kinds of stuff. Um, and even in our day to day, as we're selling homes and, you know, working in our own business, we get questions all the time. So we're going to keep a running list of that. You know, maybe we follow up and do another questions to ask your builder, questions asked throughout the build process or whatever, right? And just have another episode down the line that covers more questions. So these were the 10 that we came up with, you know, and hopefully they help as people are getting into this process. So um, what do you think, Brian? Wrap this yeah, up. no, this has been, this has been a fun one. Uh, there's, these are all really important questions and it's up to you as the homeowner to, to understand how, how you like or dislike the, the responses and, and how you elaborate. And as we've said earlier, this just, this should hopefully spark a conversation to just give you the, hopefully the warm and fuzzies that, Hey, this is the right builder. And let's go back to that word that we used in the last podcast or the last episode that we actually haven't used at all today. I just have trust in this builder that they're going to give me everything I want uh, under that timeline, that budget and that quality. So uh, that, that I expect. And, um, you know, I think with asking these questions amongst a bunch of others that, that uh, you come up with, there's you're going to by the end of this, you should have a really good feel for what builder do I do I trust the most that's going to get this done. And you can feel confident in the decision that you make. So great stuff. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Um, once again, you know, thank you for the listeners on this week six and episode six of the podcast. We're having a great time with it and we appreciate all the support that you guys, the listeners are providing us. So, um, you know, please feel free to, you know, send us questions and drop those below the show notes and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, just want to thank you guys overall and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Until next time.